back, relax, you got nothing to lose. What do you think I'm about to show you? The female of the species is more deadly than a male. Show me your movie, you can say it again. Just wait till you see what I did at the end. The female of the species is more deadly than a male. Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Deadly, the Director's Cut, where we speak with the women-identified directors who are making the horror movies we love oh, so much. More Deadly is a trans-inclusive podcast where we celebrate the work of cis and trans women, as well as non-binary filmmakers like the one we're speaking with today, yes. who are comfortable being included in a space that centers the work of women. Joining me is Mercury in Retrograde, the person and the sweetest weirdo you'll ever meet. <laughs> it's my beloved Ariel. <laughs> Hello. Hey, babe. How are you? Good. I'm sad to say that that was probably a fairly accurate introduction for me. <laughs> I mean, it's what I always think about. Like, I, I, I feel like if Mercury in Retrograde was a human, mm-hmm. it would be you. Because there are things that happen to you that only happen to you. Right. Like trucking gangs <laughs> trying to fight with you. Like oh, we've mentioned the PT Cruiser gang that follows you. I just feel yeah. like your Stuff luck. Happens. Your luck, you know? Yeah. When we worked on the student newspaper together, one of mm-hmm. our friends there said that they coined the term Ariel's Law, which was anything <laughs> that could go wrong would go wrong if Ariel was present. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> I love you. It's yeah. not wrong. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> and it's a testament to how much we all love you that, that we're you like, put up with it. <laughs> yeah. That we're like, we're Russian rouletting through life with you. <laughs> but it's like worth it. <laughs> Thank you for putting up with my nonsense. Oh, are you kidding? Are you kidding? I wouldn't change a freaking thing. Well, I mean, I would train, I would like your luck to be better for your sake. <laughs> I would be less entertaining, maybe. Well, I mean, I feel like the podcast would suffer mm. just because a big part of it is the strange things that happen to you in your own little adventures. Like, yeah, that's, that's true. People always comment to me. They're like, Rachel, why are you so annoying? Also, why is Ariel? Oh, my so God. St- Nobody has so ever crazy. said that. You're so crazy. <laughs> Do I have dysmorphia around this? I might. I a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> Okay. Oh, All right. Let's let's talk about this episode. Yes, this I'm episode. so excited. You guys, you guys. I know. I always say this. I know. I know that we have a great episode this week, but it's because it's true. This is another amazing episode, and I'm so excited for you guys to get to hear it. It is one that I have been dying, dying to do because today we are speaking with Laura Moss, director of Birth Rebirth, which is A movie that I have been holding since the credits rolled in January when I saw it at Sundance. The first thing I did, I don't know if you remember this, but literally the first thing I did after the credits rolled was I went and I messaged you and was like, oh my God, oh my God, we're covering this movie. And I'm going to do every single thing I can 
to get the director on the show. I have questions. I have so many questions. And today, my dream comes true. (laughs) Yeah, you were successful. You were able to get the director. And it was pretty fantastic, I have to say. Because, you know, sometimes when you build up a film for like six months, it doesn't work that well because you're like your expectations are so high nothing could live up to it I know but I was pleasantly surprised at how great this was so it's it was very great. exciting to get to talk to the person who directed it this movie is great and it Agreed. is it has got balls okay oh, yeah. it is gutsy it is transgressive it mm-hmm. is it, it is thoughtful it is powerful it is beautifully acted it's yep gritty and disturbing and stick with you when it's over <laughs> like have oh, some yeah. serotonin backup on 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 reserve after the credits roll on this thing but <laughs> my god but you will not forget it yeah. oh no no no! it has it has stuck mm-hmm. with me every day since i've seen yeah, it i can so. see why i can absolutely see why and i definitely see why you needed to talk about it oh, so. yes and why i needed to talk about it with, with the mm-hmm. and with oh, the director yeah <laughs> yes, yes yes all right before we get further into this let's just do a quick little disclaimer to be clear we are speaking to laura today strictly as a director as is required by the sag aftra and writers guild strike we are not crossing the picket line they are not requ- crossing the picket line we support the strike they support the strike this is us speaking to the director of this film yeah, it's really important to us that everybody know that because we just want, you know, we want to support the strike. It's important to us to support unions. So we yes. want you guys to know. Ariel, how do we handle spoilers on more deadly structures? Yeah, so we're going to try our best not to spoil things uh, when we give our little short review. And then when we get into the interview, we talk a lot about the themes and some of the decisions that were made during the making of the movie. But we tried to steer clear of some of the big spoilers towards the end. So I think you're safe there. But uh, hopefully you'll want to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. You want to watch this movie. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's currently – so here's the thing, though. you got to be on it. I'm going to mm-hmm. tell you right now, it is a limited theatrical release. It's a, And there are two reasons you need to see this. One, so you can listen to our episode. I mean, that's number one. Number two – just kidding. Actually, <laughs> real number one is we have got to support movies like this when they are in the theater. Do you have to travel a little bit further and go to some weird art house theater? maybe but you're supporting an incredible non-binary filmmaker you are supporting the kinds of transgressive and beautifully made films that we as horror nerds love so please go to your local art house theater or wherever it is that they're playing this and go see rebirth and then come back and listen to this episode because it's really you're gonna yeah first of all it's a great episode and everybody should listen to it but you're gonna need to because <laughs> if you're like me you're gonna be like i i have to process these feelings so commune yeah. with us listen to laura talk about their film listen to us gush to laura about their film <laughs> we do a little bit yeah i don't know i feel like when we love something it's hard yeah. for us to like remain calm about it so <laughs> very very that all right so ariel yeah Uh, You want to tell me a little bit about this filmmaker? Yeah, absolutely. So today, like Rachel said, we're talking about the movie Birth Rebirth. And that was directed by non-binary filmmaker Laura Moss. 
who got their start when they directed their first short film in 2009. It was a horror mockumentary called Rising Up, the Story of the Zombie Rights Movement. Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. It's such a cool title, and I watched part of it. I think we should maybe do it for an extended episode at some point. It's 26 minutes long, and it's on Vimeo, and it's all shot like it was filmed during, like, the 60s. It's very cool. Oh, hell yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, it was, like, talking heads and everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get it on. Put it on the agenda. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So Laura then went on to direct five more short films, including a comedy called Porn Without Sex. And the synopsis reads three not quite pornographic vignettes from 1991, which I feel like is so oddly specific. It makes me very curious about it. Oh, yeah, for sure. So they also made one called Fry Day, like F-R-Y Day, Uh uh which is a short film that's set against the backdrop of the execution of Ted Bundy in 1989. And it's about a teenage girl who makes a little extra money by taking and selling Polaroids of the people who are camped out near the prison to celebrate the execution. Laura is such an interesting person. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they make very interesting films. I cannot wait to see these. I'm going yeah. to I'm gonna do, have to do a little short film marathon. Yeah, for sure. So most of these Laura also co-wrote with their writing partner, who is their now ex-husband, Brendan O'Brien. Laura has also worked steadily as a production designer and an art director on both short films and feature length films over the course of like the last decade. So Birth Rebirth is actually their first feature-length film, and we will get into what went into the making of the film in our interview, so you'll learn a lot more about it there. And like Rachel said, it's in a limited theatrical release by IFC, which started on August 18th. So hopefully you guys can go check it out, because this is like a micro-budget indie, and the fact that it's in theaters at all is kind of amazing. It'll eventually be coming, I believe, to Shudder. Yes. But But we don't have an exact date on that yet, so I say go to the theater. I agree. All right. So I'm going to give you a synopsis. And normally, you know, we we sometimes give like pretty spoilery synopsis. I'm not going to do that today. I want to avoid as many as possible and keep it pretty vague beyond some sort of first act setup spoilers. So there you go. That's your semi-spoiler warning. Here we go. (laughs) This film follows two women, Celie and Rose. Celie is a nurse and a mother who is horrified by the surprising and shocking death of her daughter. Rose is a medical examiner who is secretly conducting her own experiments to see if she can defeat death. Their paths cross in a shocking way, and soon they embark on a horrifying and fascinating pursuit of science that takes them to the absolute limits of morality (laughs) and beyond in a pursuit (laughs) of life and motherhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. So I think we've made it pretty clear how we feel about this. But do you have any other sort of non-spoiler review thoughts that you wanted to talk about? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I didn't really know what to expect going into this movie. I only had like a vague idea of what it was about. And I was so surprised at how good this is. The performances in this movie are outstanding. So, so good. Everybody is fantastic, including the child actor. I love this interesting kind of feminist twist on Frankenstein, this like modernization of the storyline. We talk about that some in the interview and the thought process behind it is really fascinating. Celie's character. I was blown away by the lengths this mother is sort of willing to go 
for her daughter. She just sort of keeps going further and further and compromising her morals here and there more and more until, you know, everything that happens at the end that I don't want to give away. But it's all pretty amazing, but it also feels very, like, grounded in what a mother would actually do. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I also think that the medical stuff is really well done. It's weird because it's like in some ways it's fantastical. Like obviously this technology does not exist yet. This scientist in the movie is inventing it. But it felt so grounded in reality that I bought in very easily. And, you know, that was kind of cool. And maybe it has something to do with the fact that uh, Laura Moss said that they worked as an EMT for a bit before Mm -hmm. getting into movies, Mm -hmm. which is really Mm -hmm. interesting. And then just like you were saying before, this movie has – so much guts. Uh, It talks about abortion in really frank terms. And then I just really loved the relationship between the two women. I thought Mm -hmm. it was really great. I loved how it developed over the course of the movie. So yeah, Yeah. I say go watch it. Yep. Yeah, this movie is, it just absolutely blew me away. Marin Ireland, who plays uh, Rose, is an actor who continually and reliably Mm. impresses me I think she is fascinating to look at she is such an incredible actress her ability to just absolutely embody a fully realized person with so many layers and have them all be so incredibly different just speaks to her as an incredible talent like I think of her as like a Meryl Streep Mm. I I can see that love her and she's fantastic in this and then judy reyes who plays Celie, so good i mean we talk about this in the interview is that we always thought of her as a comedic actor because we know her best from some rubs and she's unbelievable in this she is brittle and wounded and terrifying and hilarious and just complex and racked with grief and hope and just I mean, she does it all in this. And together, they are just an absolute force. Then you add to that the horror elements and the body horror elements and just the absolute transgressive depiction around motherhood and bodily autonomy and morality. All of those things. Like, we talk about women behaving badly. Oh, boy. (laughs) Does this movie take this? And it it doesn't do it in a a shock value kind of way. It does it in a very, like, thoughtful and intellectual way that, like, is actually really getting at some incredibly important themes and, like, incredibly timely themes. I don't know. This movie is absolutely one of my favorite of the year. I'm so excited for all of the women in my life to see this movie and the men. And I'm really curious to see that's been shown to, you know, festivals. I'm wondering what like people who are not as just like into the genre as we are going to think of this movie. Yeah. Cause it is different, you know, and it's very thoughtful and it, takes you on a real emotional journey. Oh, yeah. And so if you're not somebody who's used to watching, like, art house horror, I wonder what you would think of this one. And, I I mean, specifically, there are some things in this that I think are pretty – well, be seen as being very controversial and triggering for some people. (laughs) I was just like, when I saw – there's a scene in particular. Mm -hmm. When you've seen it, there's two. And both of them take place in a bathroom. And I was just like – Never seen this before, and <laughs> I think it's gutsy, and I think it's 
cathartic. Yeah. And I don't know, like it just strummed all my neurons. That is my review. Go see it. It's one of my favorites this year. Like we're talking, it's it's right up there at the tippity top of mm-hmm. So please check it out. Let us know what you think. All right. That's enough gushing about this movie. Now let's hear me gush to the director <laughs> himself. <laughs> what do you say we get into our interview with Laura Moss? Let's do it. Oh my goodness. Laura. Congratulations on Birth Rebirth. This is such an incredible film. Ariel can attest that I've been talking about this since when was Sundance? January? I've been like, just wait till this comes out. Just wait till this comes out. Yeah. I've been like holding this information (laughs) and and just like dying to to process it. So to get to do this with you is really, really exciting. I'm curious for you. How are you feeling now that you know, it, it went to Sundance, some people saw it, but now it's finally getting like a wider release. How are you feeling about it um, now that it's going to be, you know, shown to larger audiences? Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to talk to you guys too. Uh, yeah, it's a little surreal. You know, Sundance was Sundance was terrifying, you know, the premiere <laughs> of the movie and, you know, that kind of uh, r- emotional roller coaster. And then I've been lucky enough to travel with the film a little bit and go to some regional festivals, which were really fun because the pressure is not on. You just kind of get to experience the movie with audiences yeah. and have those conversations. And yeah, I mean, I'm. it's a dream come true to be in theaters. Uh, I w- went to the IFC Center in New York City as a kid, you know, constantly. And that, that was like kind of where I watched my midnight movies. So the fact that we're playing there is a dream come true. But uh no, it's a little scary. Well, I am excited to talk about this movie, too, because Rachel's been telling me about it for months now, but I finally got to see it yesterday. And I have to say I was blown away by your film. So there is definitely Frankenstein elements in your movie. And the original Frankenstein was inspired in part by Mary Shelley's own miscarriage. But however, yeah. like in your movie, it's you know, a woman who is a scientist and she is trying to restore life. And but she also has the ability to give birth, whereas Frankenstein is more about a man who can't give birth, creating life. Mm. So was the origin of Frankenstein, Mary Shelley's miscarriage, part of your inspiration? And was there something specific you were trying to say by kind of doing a gender swap there with the scientists? Yeah, it was. I mean, I I read Frankenstein and was kind of blown away when I read it in school and then became obsessed with Mary Shelley because it was really the first book that was written by a woman that I had read that was not about marriage and manners. And I was like uh, so yeah. into the the deeper themes and the horror of it all. And when I did learn about her miscarriages and her history, um, I couldn't help but sort of see her in Victor when I read it again. Mm-hmm. And, and it, and it was interesting to me, the idea of, you know, someone who wanted to create something with their mind and, and had the ability to gestate life with their body. Um, and how would that be different? Um, but the original idea, you know, I started writing these journal entries that were like letters from prison from the point of view of Rose, this character, yeah. which, spoiler alert, in the film, doesn't, <laughs> there's not, prison's not really part of it. <laughs> so it, was, it, was a, it was like she had been caught doing these experiments and was now trying to justify her worldview. And I had these journal entries and I was like, I don't know what this is. And sort of eventually over many years, it became a film. But I think, yeah, the themes in Frankenstein and how they kind of synergized with like my own relationship to my body and childbirth really uh, somehow became a movie. It it took a very long time. That's so interesting. 
I love the idea about those letters. I never would have, it never would have occurred to me that that was a starting point. That's super interesting. Well, and it's funny because it wasn't, I don't know if it was on purpose, but I, you know, going back and reading Frankenstein, like, you know, the whole thing begins with letters, like un- letters from sort of seemingly unrelated people. So yeah, that would have been a different take on it. Well, no room I'm just for saying letters in the, special in the edition, Criterion Collection. <laughs> Can we get the letter? <laughs> so one of the things that I think is really fascinating about this film, I mean, there is obviously like the, the, the Frankenstein themes, but there's also heavy motherhood themes. And like, there is almost a violence to the motherhood, whether it is like a violent desire to have a child, a violent desire to, you know, create life that isn't necessarily a child, those kinds of things. I'm curious um, why it was important for you mm-hmm. to talk about motherhood in these different ways and explore these different complex feelings about it. Yeah, I mean, I think, as I alluded to before, I think, you know, my relationship with mm. that, I, the idea of childbirth and having mm-hmm. a baby with, with your body, I think has always fascinated me, but also felt pretty terrifying. <laughs> Um, I made this, I mean, I turned 40 in in prep on this movie. And so I feel like in my world, in my life, everyone, and especially people with uteruses around me, were dealing in some way with these issues. Like, you know, choosing to have a child, deciding definitively not to, going through IVF, uh, you know, there's so many different ways to, you know, to deal with this or to, you know, so many ch- choices that you can make, but at, and at some point your body starts to make choices for you. Um, so it was just sort of in the ether and it felt originally there were even more kind of perspectives on motherhood and birthing experiences. And we filmed some of them, but at some point they felt a little bit tangential to like mm-hmm. they were, they mm-hmm. were taking us away from the main story, but I did want to explore all the different stories that I was hearing and, and, you know, from from people who uh, went through this. Our DP uh, had an emergency C-section and we we spoke at length about the that procedure and her experience of that procedure, which yeah. uh, is the okay. opening scene of our film. That's I mean, intense. I appreciate it because I feel like there is a desire <laughs> to treat motherhood like it's this yeah. lovely, fluffy yeah. thing. And it's actually an incredibly violent thing in some ways. And when we're having conversations, which I'm sure we're going to get into reproductive rights conversations here, but I do think that there is, there is this um, desire to hide those aspects, the terrifying, the life threatening aspects, the visceral aspects of, that, that forced birth leads to, you know? So I don't know. I appreciated that. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, like, you know, I have many friends who have recently gone through pregnancies and, you know, I certainly didn't want to perpetuate something that I think does happen to pregnant women, which is that other women will tell them every horror story that they've ever heard or that has happened to them about pregnancy. (laughs) So it was important to me. I was like, this might not be for everyone at every stage of their life. I want you to watch the trailer and see if you're in a place where you want to watch this movie right now. Um, Fair. But but yeah, you know, I do think on the other side of that coin, it is a sort of sanitizing of the birthing experience and pregnancy. And I think it's important to talk about all aspects of it. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. As an AFAB non-binary person, can you talk about your own relationship with the idea of motherhood? Kind of, I don't know, even how that impacted your decisions as a director when you were making the film. Yeah, you know, I... 
it was in my early 20s that I started thinking, I don't want to have a baby with my body. That that mm-hmm. that, that felt really uh, huh. it, intimidating to me. It felt like uh, it just, it, it didn't feel like it was something that I wanted to experience. Sure. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I, I think very often I have this, kind of a complicated relationship with my body. I mean, we all do, Uh, but that it's not sort of quite the right vehicle for my brain. Um, I always was really jealous of, I don't know if you guys uh, watched or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but Krang, the um, the brain brain in a vending machine. I'm like, that's, that, that seems like what I want (laughs) to have happen here. Um, It just, doesn't <laughs> but in this but in this film you know it it is a lot about a character uh sort of treating their body like a vehicle you mm-hmm. know a, a, a vehicle they take care of but a vehicle to transport their brain around and you know i have to say that that's something that i reckon with all the time yeah it's so interesting oh that's really interesting because i mean i feel like Rose is such, I mean, Rose is such a complicated and transgressive and unique and compelling character. So I love this view of, of their body as a vehicle. I, I mean, and let's go ahead and get into that a little bit, mm. because I think the timeliness of this movie is wild, right? You know, that ugh, reproductive rights are always kind of in the zeitgeist, but never quite to the point in recent years that it, that has is right now. And I think with these kinds of conversations, there's a tendency to want to lean into respectability politics around reproductive rights and abortion. Um, and, you know, to, to make it... A, palatable and be like, no, no, we have a case for why. No, no, no. But this movie is, you not only talk about abortion, but we actually at one point see a fetus. Mm -hmm. And I think that takes guts. It is so transgressive and like it felt radical and punk to me. I'm, (laughs) can you talk a little bit about maybe why you wanted to include, include that in the film, those visual moments and that sort of attitude. Yeah. I mean, the, this doctor wants to create life with her mind. She has, she has the ability to generate stem cells herself and, you know, following her own logic. Why would, why on earth wouldn't she do it? She, you know, there, of course, people have their own feelings, uh, strong emotional feelings about this issue. And I'm, you know, unapologetically pro-choice, uh, but it wasn't really about making that political statement in the film. It was very mm-hmm. much about sort of Rose's uh, relationship with her own bodily autonomy and like how it can, Mm -hmm. it could serve her science. Um, Mm -hmm. It was important to me not to sensationalize, but for example, there is an image of the feet of a fetus. And I talked with my editor and with my composer a lot about that moment, like making sure it didn't feel like a horror moment that it was, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that was true also in the auto abortion sequence. Like we, we were really careful to make sure that it wasn't feeling like, uh, a horrifying sensational thing, you mm-hmm. know, uh, I've had two abortions. Many women have had abortions and for some it's a, a traumatic experience. And for some it's a medical procedure. Um, and I, and you know, everything in between. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, we, I talked a lot with, uh, Marin with our actress about, about Rose's relationship to this process. 
being something that she that that character has done many, 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 many times before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that maybe it, it is the apolitical nature of it and just the matter of factness that it's presented with that makes it feel radical. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it is usually used to be it is an emotional beat. Like I think of something like the film Swallow, like that's a huge cathartic emotional beat. And that felt radical because it was treated as cathartic. But you're right. Like this is like, what if we lived in a world where people had total body autonomy and we didn't attach moral morality to the choice to abort? I don't know. Yeah. That felt incredibly <laughs> transgressive and it, awesome to it me. Did because there's something about the way that Rose like moves through the world and makes these choices where it really is almost like treating her body like a science experiment and doing exactly what she wants to do with it at every point until that is sort of taken away from her, you know, later in the film. It's it's really interesting. You know, you talk a lot about abortions and kind of fetal stem cell stuff in your film. Have you gotten any pushback on that from like conservatives or are you expecting maybe that'll happen once more people are able to see it? <laughs> yeah. How are you getting ready for that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair question. Um, no, I, you know, I haven't. I've actually been surprised at the lack of um outrage around this oh, film. Good. Although again, it's getting a much wider release, so there's yeah. probably going to be some. Um, I had to be really sensitive about it in the fundraising stage, actually. There were different no. financiers, you know, especially in the horror space, you're making a horror movie that touches on these issues and you want to make sure that your partners are trying to make the same and market the same movie that you want to make and market. Um, you know, that this that I never wanted this to be framed in, as an abortion horror movie because it's really not. Um, right. And so, you know, I was lucky enough. Emily Gatto is is the executive at Shutter who I met with first uh, when we were when they came on to finance the movie, and she, you know, had a personal connection to this film and like a really deep understanding of its themes. And so I was never really scared. I mean, of course, it's marketed like a horror film, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I was not scared that it would sort of be misrepresented. And, you know, I've, I felt really good about, uh, about our materials and how it's been put out there. Well, good, good. I mean, and that you're right. That is, it is kind of a, a moment in the film that is striking, but it is certainly not the totality of the film. I mean, the, I mean, even just the relationship between our leads is really compelling and complex. I think that, you know, they start off as sort of this begrudging science experiment, but then they enmesh in a way where they become each other's whole lives almost. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about maybe what the film is speaking to about female friendship, community, toxic relationships? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. I mean, there's a lot there and it's funny because I feel like some of it I'm consciously aware of and some things are, are, are still like, subconsciously happening in the movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, but in the original drafts, because of the nature of the, of the um, problem of the film, you know, the, the obstacle of the film, their relationship was a lot more adversarial. You know, they mm. needed each other, but they didn't like each other. And they, and it, functionally Rose had Seeley trapped in this, in this situation. Um, that film wasn't interesting to me. The film, a film in which these two women were just enemies that that were sort of forced together for the whole mm-hmm. time. I just didn't want to live in that world. Um, yeah. So it became pretty clear, uh, you know, as they developed that the that their the intensity of this experience would bond them, and that they would become the only person's other person's confidant. That like 
in a situation like this, the only other human being that understands what you're going through is, is right there. Um, yeah. You know, and in a lot of ways, uh, Rose identifies as a scientist and maybe has and definitely has sort of too much of her identity wrapped up in that pursuit. And Celie identifies as a mother and has a lot of her identity wrapped up in that pursuit. And considering that those are two paths that, that very often people feel that they're forced to take, I wanted to explore the similarities between the motivations for single-mindedly pursuing motherhood or career and, you know, maybe the similarities between people who over-identify in those areas. Oh, that's so interesting. I mean, their relationship, I thought, was fascinating just to watch them get closer yeah. over time in this sort of odd way. It, it was really kind of touching. You know, there is sort of queerness in this film. It's very subtle, but I think it's present. And we were just wondering, was that something that you intentionally tried to insert into the film? Or is that just because of who you are, that the film is like being a byproduct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it wasn't, an, I didn't try to intentionally insert it, but I think very early on, you know, it became clear to us that uh, Celie, in our backstory, that is in no way explicit in the film, you know, Celie is a lesbian. She left a queer relationship with a woman who didn't want to have a child mm. because she basically decided motherhood was more important to her. And Rose was ace. And, and these were just things that we knew about the characters, but, and, and at times uh, considered sort of more explicitly uh, highlighting them in the film, but there's such a sort of uh, a, a straightforward plot here that, mm -hmm. you know, there were a lot of things, the details that we wanted to include that then they didn't feel extraneous, but they just didn't feel like they were serving the forward momentum of the story. Gotcha. Yeah. So they didn't really end up in there, but you know, there's there's hints, there's clues, and yeah. I certainly yeah. spoke with Marin and Judy at length about these histories. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So it really informed the way they acted in the movie, then. Oh yeah. yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. I mean, let's talk a little bit of Marin and Judy, who are incredible <sighs> in this. I feel like they give like peak career performances so far <laughs> in this film. They're awesome, and they are. The subject matter is so intense. It's dark. The sort of the psychology of what's happening, even when they do develop this connection, is still pretty. It's like this dark bubble that they're in and these dark motivations that they're pursuing. How do you balance as a director taking them to these places, allowing them to go to these places and also taking care of them as people on set? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, Judy is amazing. I mean, they're both amazing. Uh, and Judy, uh, we shot 24 days. And one of those days was in uh, Celie's apartment. It was like one monster day. And because of daylight and scheduling, there were these situations where it's like, your child's alive. Uh, they're dead. Now they're alive. Okay, now they're alive. Okay, dead. <laughs> alive. And I looked at the schedule and I was like, we can't do this to Judy Reyes. You know, we just can't. But we had to. Um, and I went and, and I went to speak with her about it, you know, and really prepare her for this monster day. Um, and she was so game. Um, but also, I think, has learned how to protect herself because mm -hmm. uh, she's worked punishing TV hours before, you know, mm -hmm. so... I think mm -hmm. that was something I certainly, we had a really respectful crew. 
And I certainly made sure that we kept sort of a quiet set and a calm environment when she needed to go to the places she needed to go to. But both Marin and Judy, uh, you know, they're such seasoned pros that they also know kind of what they need and are able to, in a really um, respectful, loving way, request what they need, uh, you know, and, and we were listening. I mean, Marin, taking care of Marin, you know, for me looked like there were a lot of scenes with nudity, um, you know, and, and some sensitive body stuff. So yeah. we were lucky. Our, um, our DP, our first AC, our boom operator and our AD uh, we're all are, we're all women, um, and so we were able to create a closed set environment of all women. Uh, oh, we would, um, I I storyboarded with my DP every single shot where there was going to be nudity, uh, and went through the storyboards. This was also with Brita, with with uh, my other actress who who is nude in the film. Went through all of those shots and made sure that they were explained and and kind of we get that there was a collaboration between. Marin and myself on those sequences. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Judy Reyes, I'm so used to seeing her in comedy because yeah. I knew her from Scrubs. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. it was really cool to see her do such an absolutely fantastic job at basically the polar opposite of comedy. It was so yes. good. She's amazing. And and I knew she could do it, but I it was that was, you know, she's known for Scrubs, for Claws, for, you know, yeah. she um she was in a film called Gun Hill Road that uh, was at Sundance in 2013 that was a really beautiful drama. And I'd seen her in that and I just knew she was, I had her in mind when we were writing this movie. Okay. Um, oh. But it is really exciting to see her play a very different kind of nurse. And, you know, I'm hoping we get to see more more dramatic Judy in the future. Yeah, <laughs> she can handle I mean, it for sure. She is up for it. Yeah. Holy moly. <laughs> yeah. You know, AJ Lister, the the one who plays the kid in the movie is also so great. Um, yeah. But you asked them to do some pretty intense, dark things too. Yeah. So how do you go about filming those kinds of scenes with kids and getting that kind of a performance out of someone so young? Well, in the audition process, we had a letter that, that I had drafted to the parents of children auditioning for this role, where I actually addressed, because they, they got the whole script, I addressed okay. the sensitive scenes in the movie and how I planned to approach them, but also stressed that I really wanted to work it, in concert with the parents on those sequences. Stephanie, AJ's mom, is fabulous uh, and, and was just like such a partner in helping to take care of AJ, but also craft her performance. We didn't have a lot of rehearsal time and she lived out of state. So I would find videos of dementia patients, of children learning to walk and send them to Stephanie who would create these exercises with AJ and film them and then send wow. them back to me. So we had started to develop like a physical vocabulary for AJ's monster uh, long before we ended up on set. But yeah, I mean, with the sensitive stuff, I, I was pretty frank with Stephanie. I would say, you know, does AJ know that she's dead? And Oh, yeah, she knows. Uh, okay. uh, we're going to put her in a body bag. Oh, yeah, she's really excited about that. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because she was so excited. There's, a you know, another scene later uh, where she's in an enclosed space. I guess I'll, 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 I'll leave it at that. She yeah. was very excited about that, was begging to do that. Um, wow. <laughs> you know, but then actually at a moment where Judy and Marin have to shout at each other, like while she's in bed, mm -hmm. 
that freaked her out. And so, and so it was, I wasn't always able to anticipate what would, what would make the child uncomfortable. And it's really just about making sure you're constantly listening and creating space as a director where people feel like it's okay to come to you with those mm-hmm. concerns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's incredible that she was so game though to do yeah. everything. So funny. I mean, you know, I, I, I would be like that. I think if I were her, I, sure. I would be into yeah. the, yeah. Yeah. Future horror yeah. Nerd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. yeah. I mean, and so much of the film hinges on her performance, you know, and child actors are notoriously hard to work with. And I think she's really spectacular in this, as is everyone in this cast. She's a natural. I mean, she's just has a natural ability to to play and there's there's not really a false note with AJ. And so yeah. that that was a gift. She's she's Ugh. only gonna be Famous. That's what I think. (laughs) Watch out for AJ Lister. Oh, I love it. I love it. So our podcast really focuses on women, trans, non-binary filmmakers. We were really interested in marginalized filmmaking experiences, like because I mean, the whole story was like there was this article that Jason Bloomhouse wrote that was like, women don't direct horror. Oh, like, I remember that. Me. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> excuse me, sir. So like, this podcast is essentially a reaction to that <laughs> interview. So as a result, we've talked to a lot of filmmakers and are really compelled by their stories and how they get things made. And I'm curious for you as a non-binary filmmaker, has that created additional or unique challenges for you in the film industry? Well, it's tricky because, you know, I am a fab and I have you know, I've been going by they, them pronouns for about four years. That and a lot of a couple of those years were a global pandemic where people weren't really paying attention, sure. <laughs> attention to me, which Fair. is hard. <laughs> um, so, you know, prior to that point, and even now, a lot of the opportunities available to me are opportunities created for women, mm-hmm. uh, women mm-hmm. filmmakers, and mm-hmm. very understandably so to advance female filmmakers in a world where there's been tremendous underrepresentation. So the grants, the panels, you know, all, you know, a lot of it, the language hasn't, oh, hasn't been so inclusive. Um, yeah. And so it's been interesting. I think I still try to participate in those spaces and just make sure if, if, if it's not, uh, if that language has not been inclusive to really contact those organizers and say, is this a space for me? And if it is mm-hmm. a space for me, could you please change your language on your website or on your grant? Um, and I've had success in the past at that, uh, you know, which which feels good. I really understand why you would want to brand female or women into even the titles of some of these grants and some of these festivals. It's right. just, it's, it's a complicated... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. More orange to peel, cat to skin. I don't know. What it is. <laughs> <laughs> You've been able to advocate for yourself and that people are actually listening when you do that. That's really cool. That's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I, I often think the intent is really um, positive. And so, <laughs> you know, it's when you, when you're able to come, you know, privately with your concerns and, and, you know, speak respectfully, I think, you know, more often than not, I've I've been listened to, and I really appreciate that. 
Yeah. That's actually a relief to hear. And <laughs> it really, really I mean, <laughs> and I hope that inspires other people who are listening to speak up and say something because I think it's hard. It's hard to be the trailblazer and hard. It's hard to be the squeaky wheel. But to know that you you are getting getting grace, that's like really actually exciting and and good to hear. I, you know, I'm I'm as I said, I'm 41. Like like the language or uh, n- the language of non-binariness did not exist yeah. at least in my consciousness. Uh, growing up, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I really think I became aware of, of this conceptually 10 years ago and remember thinking immediately, oh, this is cool. I'm too old. But if I was around when this was the thing, when I was young, I would totally be non-binary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> then you're like, wait a minute, wait this a is minute. not an age thing. <laughs> this is like an identity <laughs> thing. <laughs> but I think that speaks to like, you know, I like I was like gender language. It was only gender language that existed when I was growing up and I and I'm still programmed that way. Uh, uh-huh. So I I do try to give a lot of grace to um, organizations that are trying to expand these definitions and haven't quite nailed the language yet. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. That's really great. So, do you have any advice for young people out there who want to direct, maybe feel like they can't or it's not an option now that you've been doing this for oh, quite a while? Oh, boy. Well, I, I mean, I'm lucky that to my only grown up jobs pretty much have been on film sets. Uh, you know, I was a PA when I was 22. Um, I was briefly an EMT for a very brief time before uh, film production, and I was a Christmas elf seasonally. But other than that, pretty much I've been a PA and then worked my way up through the arts department. Um, I think if someone's interested in directing and feels like they can't do it, the best advice I would give is to get on a film set in some capacity, because it really is like, it's pretty mysterious until you get on a set yeah. and it's demystified for you. You know, it, it mm-hmm. films are made one shot at a time, but it, it feels impossible. Uh, until you actually do it. So I would say that's the best way to kind of get a sense of the director's role and what is expected of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Great. I think, yeah. I think so many people, you watch movies and you fall in love with them and maybe it's something you want to do yourself, but you're right. There is this sort of like weird barrier where you're like, how is that? How does that all come together? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's very practical. I mean, it's like you sure. you get up, you, you, you get bagels for people and then, you know, you like... <laughs> You talk to vendors, you secure a location, but it, it can feel pretty insane until you've you've been through it. Yeah. So obviously we loved this movie. We're obsessed. Now we're greedy and we want more. Is <laughs> there do you have any upcoming projects that you have in the works? Anything we should be on the lookout for? Um yeah. obsessing about over online. <laughs> well, well, I'm currently as a member of the Writers Guild, I'm currently on strike. Yes, uh, yes. I'm only speaking to you as a director. Um, yes. but Brendan and I do have a film that we had actually written before Birth Rebirth called Gordon. Um, it's a dark comedy about uh, a misdiagnosed sociopath trying to be good in a kind of sociopathic world. Ooh. Um, Ooh. It's, it's, it's more of a comedy than Birth Rebirth, um, and, but a, very much a horror comedy. Uh, oh. And yeah, I'm, we were in the process of like beginning to attach talent when the strike happened. Uh, so mm-hmm. we are in very early days of that project, but I am hoping that that's what's next. Oh, that's, that's great. I mean, we love a horror exciting. comedy, so mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll we will out. be watching. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Is there anything that nobody has asked you so far that you've been wanting to talk about? 
Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, well, it's funny. I, so I, I'm doing this. Uh, this uh, I was asked to write an essay for Talk House. I don't know if you know them, but uh, and they said, you know, what is it that only you could write about? Uh, yeah. You Ooh, know that nobody else question. could ever write about. I know it's a great question. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. well, I was married to my writing partner. And uh, we are divorced now, and and we made birth rebirth together. So basically, I wrote a film about kind of motherhood with my ex husband, with whom I don't have children, and now we have a baby, <laughs> which is this movie. Um, <laughs> and I don't really know what shape that essay is going to take yet, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but I'm like, that's that's been on my mind as as something that like, you know. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring out how to articulate, but I like the themes of the movie and unorthodox relationships and, and this mm -hmm. experience of, of kind of creating a new type of relationship. So that's I don't so, know, there was no question in there and I don't have an answer. So interesting though, like how your relationships, I mean, in a less in, you know, dark way but like how yeah. your relationships parallel Celia and and Rose that like you guys are coming together maybe there's some antagonism I don't know your dynamic but that like you create something out of it it's kind of I don't know that's really interesting. yeah I love we, that we dynamic. do we I mean I, I think he would say he's more Celia and I would say I'm more Rose but we definitely okay. sort of like became <laughs> the advocates for those two characters over the course of it and <laughs> No, I mean our relationship is better than ever, but it's of course gone through many phases, and uh, and it's interesting. I'm still trying to sort of psychoanalyze that because I feel mm -hmm. like, you know, I look back at some of my short films and I can see things that were going on for me at the time that I didn't know were happening, and I was putting in the movie. Um, so I don't know. I'll, I'll I'm going to write that essay, but. <laughs> I don't I'm know gonna what read gonna it. <laughs> I cannot wait to read it. I cannot read. Okay, so if like me, you want to read this essay and you want to keep up with all of all of your activities, whether it's on the on the the strike line or once it's resolved and everything is how we want it, down with AI, down with AI. Yeah. Where can listeners follow you online? Do you have social media accounts that you'd like them to to follow or like, subscribe? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'd say I'm probably most active on Instagram and, and my handle is mxlauramoss and please, please do come and connect with me there. Awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today and being so generous with your time. I think we did go for a little bit, but it was such an amazing conversation and one that I've been dying to have for like months. And it was really, really illuminating. And I, I cannot say enough how much I loved the film. And I'm so excited for other people to see it because I feel like the conversations that it's going to spark are going to be so interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for having thank me. You. This was really a lot of fun. Oh, good. <laughs> so glad. So glad. Anytime. You're more than welcome to come back anytime. <laughs> All right. So that was our chat with Laura. Oh, my God. How awesome was that? They are so cool. Yeah. It's interesting because it's also in some ways an incredibly personal movie. Mm -hmm. And it like speaks to the ways that no matter how long it's been, the Frankenstein story is something that is going to connect in a and to see it kind of in some ways return to its roots, yeah, in this way and be translated through this lens of like 
making choices about reproduction and being afraid and also feeling that tension of being like, okay, am I giving this up? Like all of those kinds of things, I don't know, come together in a way that to me makes this an incredibly powerful movie. And to hear Laura talk about it and how personal it was, like it wasn't like, I think that the reason it felt personal to me is because it was personal to them. That translated. Yeah, absolutely. The way they were talking about, like, getting to this age where you're watching everybody around you either, like, have kids or have, you know, go through IVF or miscarriages or make the decision not to have kids. And you're kind of having to wrestle with some of that yourself was really interesting, especially from the perspective of somebody who is non-binary. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I do think that, the, like, the gender stuff is really an interesting complicating factor and also kind of one of those things that I don't know that like it also has this really deep relatability to it that is like a reminder of like how things are different and how things are the same yeah so I mean we talk a little bit about like we're out and we're past the spoilers but the fetus stuff and like to me it felt like transgressive and gutsy but I know that there's going to be some in the audience that are outraged by that and so it's interesting that they haven't faced any of that and they're like if it happens it happens (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I wonder if that's just because it's only been on the festival circuit so far though yeah you know I think that audiences are pretty receptive to things like that especially at some place like you know Sundance so I'm I'll be curious to see like once it ends up on a streaming service and a lot of people can see it what kind of response they're going to get from people I mean, it's such a, like, got punch of a, like, and ballsy scene. I hope it doesn't overshadow all the other amazing aspects of this film. Yeah. Because I think that is matter of fact in a way that I think is important. But it it only speaks to the, it, like, reinforces the larger theme. And so I hope that the shock value of that doesn't overtake it because... I mean, I hope so, too, because I also think that it's the way that it's shot and handled is thoughtful and also Mm -hmm. artistic. And so hopefully that's what stands out to people. Like, it's not filmed in an exploitative way. No, 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 no. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm but I'm hoping that it like it doesn't overtake. Yeah, it's there's so much there there to this movie. I don't know. I love this movie. I'm so excited. I feel like a weight has lifted a little bit to like have these conversations with you and then with Laura. Like it feels, feels good, man. Yeah. I can definitely see why. I mean, this is a complex movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm excited for more people to see it because I think it's so worthwhile, the things that it talks about. And it has a pretty shocking ending too. I mean, maybe not shocking in the way that you're thinking of like a big bombastic movie ending, but just the lengths characters are willing to go is really interesting and was surprising to me in the end. (laughs) You know what else I'm thinking about is like, it kind of has a, like, I think it's an interesting parallel with something like Lucera mm-hmm. that also has yeah. kind of a quiet ending around motherhood stuff. They would make an interesting double feature. <laughs> they would make say. a really interesting double feature. <laughs> and I feel like as of now, they're my like top two. One, yeah, top yeah. two for sure. Yeah. Me too. Me yeah. too. It's like them and cocaine bear. <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> That's amazing. Like these these are all movies that are ones that we've gotten to cover here on More Deadly. That's that's very, very cool. Yeah, it really is. And I also just like I loved what Laura said about the child actor stuff too. Oh, because yeah. you know, you know that you and I are pretty like our yes. bar is set high for like what yes. we want a child actor to be like in a movie so that we're not annoyed. 
Yes. <laughs> essentially. Yes. Um, and I feel like this kid like really took on this performance and it's so like physical in interesting ways. And the fact that Laura was saying that they were so like ready to get into it and were so excited to do all these different scenes was very cool. I agree with yeah. you that that is a horror nerd in the making. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Totally. All right. Awesome. Well, any other thoughts before we wrap it on up? No. All right. Awesome. Everybody, this is our last time we're going to say this. It's in theaters now in limited relief. Please go see it. Go check it out. Let us know what you think. <laughs> we're here to process it with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you can do that by emailing us at rachel at zombiegirls.com or you can come slide into the DMs at ZG Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Threads. And of course, we have a Facebook group, so you can hit us up there as well. If you're enjoying the show, do us a huge favor and leave us a review or rate us on whatever platforms you are in- currently enjoying this episode on, whether that be Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Audible or... There are other ones, but those are the ones I can think of. So we're going to end the list there and uh, check out our video on demand and streaming calendar. I keep track of all the spooky doings that are happening on all the various streaming services as well as video on demand. And we do it for you, just for you, you right there, you, the one listening. Yes, I'm talking to you. I do it for you. (laughs) So please give that a look. And we have a Patreon. I don't know if you've heard, if you ever listened to an episode of this, you have, but we're going to act like you haven't. We have a Patreon where you can get bonus episodes, minute episodes, hang out with us on the Discord, the zombie bites. We're getting very close to spooky season, so there's going to be a lot of special content then. Now is a great time to become a patron. Uh, (laughs) All right. I think that's it for us. Yeah. Ariel. Get us the heck out of here. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of More Deadly Director's Cut. Thank You're you to pretty- Laura Moss for yes. taking the time to speak with us. It was amazing. We are so thrilled that we got to speak with you and also for people to see Birth Rebirth. It was fantastic. Go watch it. Get to the theater right now. And then join our Patreon. Come talk to me about it in the Discord because I want to hear everybody's <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yes i mean that's a perfect that's a great selling point after you watch this movie you're gonna need to talk about it and you know where you can do that <laughs> the a girl's patreon yeah. <laughs> or discord. discord exactly thank you so much everybody for listening bye everybody <laughs> bye everybody sorry i've lost my mind <laughs> thanks to everyone for listening and thanks to my co-host ariel who's always willing to come on here and geek out about horror with me And finally, thanks to the women who make the horror films we love so much. Production of this episode was done by yours truly. Editing was done by Ariel Missman-Rucker. And our theme song, More Deadly, was by Elizabeth Kyle and Eric Newell.